Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour. And what a wonderful Monday morning it is in the city of Philadelphia. After a great weekend, we saw our fighting Phils go up 3-2, coming back to the bank tonight. And we saw our Philadelphia Eagles in their Kelly Green jerseys dominate the 5-1 Miami Dolphins. But welcome in, guys. If you're here, let me see you in the chat. Let's get a little roll call. Good morning to JM. Good morning to Let's Shoot the Shit. Appreciate you. Stephen Patton, good morning to you as well. We're going to obviously talk about our birds for a lot today. And then I also want to switch a little bit in the second segment, talk about our fighting Phils, who could be going to their second straight World Series, which is just unbelievable. Would be the only second time in franchise history. Really, really awesome. Yeah, and let's shoot the shit. I appreciate you. Hit that like button. Hit that share button. But I am feeling great this morning. It was a late one. It was a late one. And some of you guys, I saw you in the chat at the Jacob Sports pregame, halftime, and postgame shows. So we were down at the Ocean Casino. Me, Seth Joyner, Mark Farzetta, Derek Gunn, John McMullen. But it was a great, great game by this Philadelphia Eagles team. So I want to break that all down for you guys. But be sure, again, hit that like button, hit that share button. The more Philadelphia sports fans we could reach, the better. Before we get into the Eagles and the Phillies, one thing we're really not going to spend a lot of time on today are the Philadelphia Flyers. But don't look now, guys. The Philadelphia Flyers are number one in the Metropolitan Division after five games. I had no expectations for them, but they are playing some really good hockey. The other night, three shorthanded goals, two on the same penalty. So that was pretty damn cool. But Sixers also start this week, but we know all the attention is going to our Philadelphia Eagles and obviously the fight in Phils. But let's talk about this Eagles-Dolphins game. If you guys tuned in last week, you know I was saying all week long, that I expected this Philadelphia Eagles team to bounce back in a big way against that Miami Dolphins team. And I said, said it on the pregame, said it here on the Power Hour, was posting videos on Legal Hands to the Face on Instagram. And if you're not following, be sure you're following Legal Hands to the Face. We post daily content. But I was posting videos all week about this Dolphins team, as good as they were, had not played anybody like the Philadelphia Eagles. What's up, WCBJJ? Good to see you, man. Victory Monday is right. But you looked at this Miami Dolphins team coming in. Yeah, they were number one in yards per game, number one in passing yards, number one in rushing yards, number one in yards per play. But I gave you guys the stats last week. You looked at who they played. Four out of the five teams they beat had bottom third defenses in the NFL. 
Not that that Dolphins offense isn't good. They have playmakers. But they had been beating up on the bottom-tier defenses in this NFL. And I want to get into, later in the show, how impressed I am with Sean Desai as defensive coordinator because what he is doing is remarkable with how banged up that secondary is, and we'll talk about it. But you looked at this Dolphins offense. They hadn't done this against any good defenses. They really hadn't. And this Philadelphia Eagles team came in and completely out-physicaled the Miami Dolphins from the jump. Sean Desai said it leading up to this game that, yeah, the Dolphins were fast, but the way that you can slow them down is by being physical. And this Philadelphia Eagles team, in those Kelly Greens, reminiscent of gang green, those old physical defenses, was extremely physical. And that's what won this game. They set the tone early. And you flip over to the other side. We knew the Dolphins' defense wasn't that good. I gave you guys the stats last week. They were already floating around 20th in the NFL in total yards per game, and they hadn't played any good offenses. Four of the five offenses they beat were in the bottom third. So I was calling for this. I told you guys I was expecting the Philadelphia Eagles to win. In fact, I even said I thought the Eagles were going to score 31 points. So I was right on that side of the ball. What shocked me, though, was what this defense was able to do. Because I did not think that they were going to be able to hold the Miami Dolphins to basically seven points. Basically seven points. Because although the game is 31-17, the Philadelphia Eagles offense gave the Miami Dolphins 10 points. So you're looking at the best offense in the NFL going up against this banged-up secondary for the defense and the Eagles shut them down, completely shut them down. A lot of credit has to go to Sean Desai. Eagles fan, I see you in the chat. What's up, man? JoJo, great defense, and the long offensive drives will wear your fast running asses out. That is the truth, man. JM, Desai shows how special he is by his second-half adjustments. I have been absolutely blown away with Sean Desai, and I want to get into some of these things later on. But let's just look at what the Sean Desai defense did to the number one offense in the NFL. They held the Miami offense to 244 yards. Coming into this game, the Dolphins were averaging 499 yards a game. They held them to less than half what they were normally averaging. Miami Dolphins offense was averaging 37 points per game. They walk out of the link with only 17 and we talked about it. Ten were from turnovers on that offense. Even more impressive, Dolphins were averaging 317 yards per passing game coming in. They were throwing the ball for 317 yards. Eagles held them to 199 last night. 199. And the reason the Eagles won that game no doubt in my mind why the Eagles won that game is because what they did to the Miami Dolphins running game. The Dolphins were number one in the NFL, averaging 182 yards per game, 
and the Eagles shut them down. 45 rushing yards. At the end of the first half, the Dolphins had negative seven rushing yards. That defensive line completely, completely out-physicaled the Miami Dolphins offensive line, and that's what won the game. That is what won this football game. And then we talk about it a lot. Getting off the field on third down. Eagles held the Dolphins to 4 of 11 on third down. And we also talk about red zone. How important it is to hold teams to field goals in the red zone. Well, coming into this game, the Dolphins were scoring touchdowns 81% of the time when they got to the red zone. That was the number one red zone offense in the entire NFL. Eagles hold them 0 for 1, 0% in the red zone. And we're going to talk about the Eagles offense in a second and what they were able to do on fourth down. But you look at the Dolphins, 0 for 2 on fourth down. Just an absolute dominant performance by this Eagles defense. And we also talked about sacks. We talked about how important it was going to be to get pressure on Tua. And coming into this week, Dolphins... Number two in the NFL had only given up six sacks. But again, I gave you the stats last week. Four of the five teams they beat were in the bottom half of the league when it came to generating sacks. So we knew they had never played a defensive line like this Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. And what do the Eagles do? Put up four freaking sacks on Tua and the Miami Dolphins. Pretty awesome. JoJo, tush-push was 100% last night. Yes, it was. Eagles fan, Jordan Davis was plugging shit all night. He is an absolute beast, man. But when I talked about how they set the tone early, this Eagles defense came out and punched the Dolphins in the mouth right away. Let's look at those first three drives. Really set the tone. On the first three drives... The Eagles defense held the number one offense in the league. 15 plays, 21 net yards. Think about that. 15 plays, 21 net yards. Incredible. And what was even more incredible was it's a 3-0 game. Hertz fumbles that ball at his own 23-yard line. Could have been a huge momentum swing given a Dolphins offense the ball at the Eagles 23. What's the defense do? Comes out, holds Miami seven plays, one net yard, forces a field goal. That changed the entire game. The physicality that that defense showed on those first three drives is what changed the entire game right from the jump. And we talked about it, negative seven yards at the half. And not only did this Eagles team have four sacks, they had eight tackles for loss. That Dolphins team couldn't do anything. And I give a lot of credit, a lot of credit to our defensive line. And obviously, we all see what the interior of that D-line is doing. Jalen Carter, I've never seen a rookie like him. I mean, I, I can't say it enough. We keep talking about it. I've never seen a rookie be able to play the way he played. What he did to the Dolphins center was criminal. And you're talking about a rookie in his seventh game. Sixth game, because he missed a game. Sixth game. Really incredible. 
Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis. We know how good the interior is. But what really impressed me last night was the way Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat played on the outside. And I'm not talking about Sweat getting two sacks or Hassan Reddick getting pressure on Tua. I'm talking about what they did to the number one rushing offense in the NFL. You know, if you've watched Dolphins games, they love to be able to run that stretch play to their running backs. They got a lot of speed. They want to be able to get them on the outside. Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick really, really stopped that stretch run. They kept contained. They held their spot on the end. It was – that's not easy. That is not easy. They were able to completely shut down that stretch run. And how many runs did Miami even run last night? I think they ran the ball, what, 12 times? Is what I think the final stat was. 12 rushes. Number one rushing offense in the NFL – Mike McDaniel realized really quickly, we're not going to be able to run on these guys. They only run the ball 12 times. Forces them to throw it 32 times. Give the Eagles credit, 34 rushes last night. Now, 11 of them were Jalen Hurts. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Hurts' injury as well. But that defensive line set the tone right from the jump. And you got to give a lot of credit to Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat. And I see you guys in the chat. Over four decades, an Eagles fan says he can't wait for Philly to play a complete game. Offense, defense, special teams. MC, my bad, I'm late, but how about them damn birds held the number one offense to 10? Stop it, we the truth. Good to see you, man. We'll talk about this, how we make a move at the deadline later in the week. Let's enjoy Let's enjoy this win, Steve Patton, but I think Howie's definitely on the phones. JoJo sincerely thinks we have the best D-line in the NFL right now. The best D in the NFL right now. You may not be wrong. Holly Jordan, Hassan Reddick was not playing last night. They had negative eight rushing in the first half. Yeah. It's unbelievable what that D-line did, and a lot of it was Hassan Reddick. No sacks last night for Reddick. But if you watch that game, it's not about what the stat sheet says. Hassan Reddick dominated the line of scrimmage. He dominated the edge. And he stopped that stretch run that McDaniel loves, loves to run. But I want to talk more about Sean Desai because what he's been able to do with this secondary is so impressive, man. It is so impressive. We know Zach McPherson gets hurt in the preseason. Out for the year. But they go into week one. You still have Avante Maddox. You got Reed Blankenship, Justin Evans, Darius Slay, James Bradbury. That's the last time they've had the same secondary through the first seven weeks of the season. Think about that. All these moving parts. Week two, no James Bradbury, no Reed Blankenship. Week three, no Avante Maddox. He's out for the year. Week four, no Sidney Brown, no Justin Evans. Week five, no Sidney Brown. Week six, no Sidney Brown, no Darius Slay, no Justin Evans. And then last night, no Reed Blankenship, no Justin Evans, no Bradley Roby. And what he's been able to do to get these guys ready to play with all this mismatching that's going on 
in the secondary. You got Eli Ricks, an undrafted rookie out there against who was called the best wide receiver in the league before last night. And Tyreek Hill is a stud, don't get me wrong. But the best wide receiver in the league last night was wearing Kelly Green. And we'll talk about A.J. Brown in a second. But you look at what this defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, and you got to give credit to his entire staff, has been able to do to get these guys ready to play is unbelievable, man. And you look at the last three weeks. Last night, held the Dolphins to 199 yards. What they do the week before? Held the Jets to 155 yards. Week before that against the Rams, 195 yards. The fact that they're able to shut down NFL passing games with a different secondary every week with Josiah Scott, who was on the Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad less than a week ago, going up against the most high-powered passing offense in the NFL, Sean Desai, I'm impressed. I am impressed. And you got to give credit to the players. Eli Ricks, man, undrafted rookie. He's out there battling with Tyreek Hill. Made a great play on a fourth down late in the game. I love that kid, man. I love the way he battles. He's got a lot to learn. He's still raw. But all I ask for is you put it all out there. Eli Ricks does it, and he's not scared of anybody. Just a great overall performance by the entire defense. And how good has our linebackers been? That was an area I had. I was so concerned about the linebackers coming into this season. You get Zach Cunningham late. You bring back Nicholas Morrow after you cut him. And now you got N'Kobe Dean back. He's playing well. I'm just so impressed with that entire freaking defense, man. Zero points they gave up in the second half. Think about that. Zero points to the Miami Dolphins. Just an all-around great game by the defense. But let's jump over to the offensive side of the ball for a second. Wasn't always pretty. Wasn't always pretty. They did have those two costly turnovers. What's up, Peter Doty? Good to see you, man. Howie Roseman in the chat. Howie's always checking in. But Sean Desai, man, awesome. But let's jump over to that offense. Two turnovers. Can't have it. Way too many turnovers the last few weeks. And uncharacteristically from Jalen Hurts. And I know we could all debate whether or not they're Jalen Hurts' fault or not. Some of them are fluky. Jalen Hurts has to be better. He's got to protect the football. He'll be the first person to tell you. He has to protect the football. That interception, yeah, it's a tipped ball. He never should have thrown that ball. He never should have thrown that ball. On the fumble, he's holding the ball way too long. I think it was close to five or six seconds he's back there. The, the pocket's collapsing, man. You got to get rid of the football. You have to have that internal clock. So Jalen Hurts has to be better at protecting the football. But this, this offense did what they had to do in this football game. They put up 355 yards, 31 points. They were averaging 26 points coming in. So they exceed their average total. Can't ask for much more. They throw for 256. They run only for 99 yards. And I want to talk about some concerns I have with this running game, but let's keep it positive in this first segment. But I do want to get into a little bit of the concerns I have. If you follow me on Twitter, I just tweeted something out about this that has me a little bit concerned. 
But 99 yards, not the best game of their season running the football, but I just saw it in the chat. Someone talked about the balance. That was the important thing. That was the important thing. Although the rush may not have been working, they kept giving it to their backs. Would have liked to have seen a little bit more to the running backs, less to Jalen Hurts, but they run the ball 34 times. 11 of those were by Jalen. But they didn't get away from the run, and that's what you saw them do against the Jets. And I talked about it on the Jacob Sports pregame show. What made the Buffalo Bills successful against the Dolphins was that they stuck to the run. They were only averaging 3.6 yards per carry, the Buffalo Bills. But in that game, they stuck to the run. They ran it 29 times, and that allowed their offense to continue to run. It kept the defense off balance. So good job by Brian Johnson sticking to the run, even though it may not have been working as well as we wanted it to. They ended up finishing last night only 2.9 yards per carry. And I'll talk about more my concerns with the running game in the next segment. But third down, Eagles were okay. Eagles were okay on third down. They came into the game. They were number one in the NFL, converting on third down at 51%. They only go four of 12 on third down for 33%. But what I was so happy about was what they did on fourth down. Four out of four on on fourth down. Four out of four for 100%. Dolphins were 0 for 2 on fourth down. And you look at what they did on the drives that they went for it on fourth down. Second quarter. Fourth and and 1 from the Miami 37. Go for it. They get the first down, and what happens on that drive? Touchdown. Fourth and three from the Miami 33. They go for it. What happens on that drive? Touchdown. And then in the fourth quarter, fourth and one from their own 26, they go for it. Fourth and one from their own 37, they go for it. And what happens on that drive? Touchdown. All three drives that they went for it on fourth down resulted in touchdowns. And we've talked about it before. If you follow me on Instagram, I've done a lot of videos about this. I love Nick Sirianni's aggressiveness. I love that he trusts his players. It's real easy when you got that tush-push play and you know it's going to work. But I love his aggressiveness. And the one that he ran on the fourth and three from the Miami 33, that wasn't a tush-push play. But what I loved is he made up his mind I think it was third and six or third and seven, and they ran the ball to Kenny Gainwell. And the reason they ran the ball to Kenny Gainwell, questioning whether you give it to Gainwell, but the reason they ran the ball was because he had already made up his mind, we're going for it on fourth down. And I love that mentality. Love the aggressiveness from Sirianni. But, man, does it help when you know you got that tush-push or that brotherly shove in your back pocket and you can convert three for three Pretty awesome. Pretty damn awesome. But one of the areas, we've been talking about it for a few weeks now, that we needed this Philadelphia Eagles offense to improve was in the red zone. They were 23rd in the NFL coming in, converting only 45% of the time. And in this game, the final stat sheet's going to say four of six for 67%. That last one, they kneeled it down. So really, 
Eagles went four of five. And outside of that first drive, and I want to talk about the red zone on that first drive because I thought it was going to be more of the same horrible play calling in the red zone by Brian Johnson on that first drive. Eagles then punch it in four straight times in the red zone. Huge. Even through a tight end screen that worked for a touchdown. How about that? How about that? Not only do they score a touchdown in the red zone, they score on a screen in the red zone. But that was big. But you look at that first drive, didn't like the play calling down in the red zone. Did not like it. The quarterback draw, just so vanilla. It's just, Brian Johnson has me concerned with his red zone play calling. But it's hard to be angry when they go four for four on the next four red zone opportunities. But we also talked last week on the show, and some of you guys said this in the chat, that the Eagles needed to win the time of possession battle to win this football game. That the best thing that our offense could do would be hold on to the football and keep Tyreek Hill and Tua Tungavailoa, Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, keep them on the bench. That's exactly what they did. The Philadelphia Eagles held the ball for close to 37 minutes in that football game last night. Dolphins only had the ball for 23 minutes. That's going to win you a lot of football games in this league. And I loved what the Eagles did. We talked about the balance. 34 runs, 31 passes. Keeping the balance. That's what you have to do in this league. You can't forget about the run. Even when it may not be working statistically, you have to stick with the run. You have to stick with the run. Rick Jansen and that front four on defense had to have a good game. Yeah, and if you weren't here to start, I was giving them a lot of praise when we started the show. Because what that front four did, not only the D tackles, but we talked about what Hassan Reddick was able to do by setting the edge and shutting down the Dolphins' stretch run game completely changed the entire Dolphins' offense. When they can't get their run going, changes everything. And we just talked about the balance that the Eagles had, 30, 34 runs, 31 passes. Miami Dolphins, no balance at all. They gave up on the run because they knew they were not running against this Philadelphia Eagles team. Only 12 runs in that game, and they threw the ball 32 times. Just an awesome performance by that Eagles defense, man. I am so excited for Sean Desai. I really am. I really am. And he did, last night, something that we never saw from Jonathan Gannon. As good as Jonathan Gannon's defenses had played, the one thing that we all screamed about is they never did it against a good quarterback and a good offense. And that's exactly what they did last night. Two was one of the top in the league. Most passing yards in the NFL coming in. And Sean Desai shut them down. With a revamped secondary. Josiah Scott on the damn Steelers practice squad playing. Eli Ricks, undrafted rookie playing. Just can't say enough about Sean Desai, man. Can't say enough about Sean Desai. Also want to talk about the penalties in that game. Eagles got away with a couple, no doubt about it. But you still look at the final numbers. The Eagles were the more disciplined team. Zero penalties in that game. Probably deserved a couple. The one on Bradbury, 
looked like a clear face mask. But Miami Dolphins commit 10 penalties. Didn't like the call on Wilkins, the roughing the passer on Hurts. Didn't like that. I'm an Eagles fan, obviously. Didn't like the call. But you know they're going to err on protecting these quarterbacks. So you got to be more disciplined if you're a defensive tackle, a defensive lineman. But really disciplined game by the Eagles. Zero penalties. Miami Dolphins commit 10 penalties. And we talked about balance. You look at the first downs the Eagles got. First of all, the Eagles had 26 first downs in that game. Miami only had 12. But look at this balance. Eagles had 12 first downs rushing, 11 first downs passing, and three on penalties. You can't ask for much more balance, man. That's how you win in this league. So Brian Johnson, I still think he has to improve. I still feel like the offense isn't passing the eye test. They're getting a good end result, but they're not passing the eye test. It doesn't seem like there's any rhythm or rhyme or reason to what they're doing, but I think they will grow into it. I think they will continue to grow into it, but you can't ask for more balance than what the Eagles delivered last night. But guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I want to talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts, a little bit of the concerns I have about the turnovers. We'll get into his injury, but one of the main concerns I have for this team is their running game. It's something they've been able to lean on in the past, but I do have some concerns. We'll talk about it when we get back, guys. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. 
We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles What's up everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. It's good to see you guys all in the chat. I love being able to come to you guys every single day, especially right now because there is no better time to be a Philadelphia fan, man. Big game last night. We had the Phillies on Saturday night. We got the Phillies again tonight. You got hockey. You got the Sixers starting on Thursday. It's the best time of year. It's the best time of year. When I was a kid, I'm sure like all of you guys, you love summertime because you were out of school and all that. Man, I'll take the fall every single time, man. Love the fall. You got every sport is back. And playoff baseball, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But... Love you guys in the chat. Keep hitting that share button. Keep hitting that like button. Keep engaging. A few of my followers on Instagram were just hitting me up that they're here. So what's up, Ramsey? He's always hitting me up on Instagram. So good to see you coming over to the Power Hour. But if you're not already following Legal Hands of the Face on Instagram, head on over. Like I said, we post daily content there. And follow me on Twitter, at Bill Calarulo as well. Always posting there during the games pretty much all day. So pretty good stuff. But let's talk about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. And I don't want to get into the injury just yet. I want to talk about these turnovers. It's been a problem. And I don't understand that he was so good at protecting the football last season. But just way too many turnovers. Way too many unnecessary risks with Jalen Hurts. And I get it, and they're not all his fault. But last night, I put both turnovers on Jalen Hurts. Held the ball way too long on that strip sack. Never should have thrown that ball that got tipped. But this is what I love about Jalen Hurts. And this is why I thought the Philadelphia Eagles were going to win this game, is we talked about how does Jalen Hurts bounce back from adversity. Hadn't lost back-to-back games since week six and seven of 2021. And I talked about it. I was on Birds 365 with Jody Mack on Friday. Jody didn't think the Eagles were going to win. I told him they are going to win this game because of the way this team, and especially Jalen Hurts, handles adversity. And let's look at what he did last night in that game. And I talked about this. You look back at the biggest game of Jalen Hurts' career, Super Bowl 57. Look what he did every time there was adversity. He fumbles that ball, gets returned for a touchdown. He comes right back, drives him down the field, and scores. In the Super Bowl. But let's look at what he did last night. Has that strip sack fumble in the first quarter. Defense does a great job. We talked about that in the first segment. Does a great job holding Miami to one net yard, forcing a field goal. But this is what I loved. What did Jalen Hurts do on the very next drive after fumbling that football? This guy's got such a short memory, and it's great. He comes out after fumbling that ball. They go nine plays, 61 yards, touchdown. 
that is what makes Jalen Hurts so damn good. He throws that bad interception in the third quarter, and I'm calling it a bad interception because I don't think he should have thrown that football with that guy in his face like that. So he throws that bad interception. Big momentum swing, man. That interception gets taken for six the other way. We got a 17-17 ball game. As good as the Eagles' defense was playing, it's 17-17 in the third quarter after a bad turnover turns into a touchdown the other way. What Jalen Hurts do? Gets the ball back, goes eight plays, 75 yards, touchdown. That is what makes Jalen Hurts a franchise quarterback. That's why I love Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback on this Philadelphia Eagles team. Because no matter what, this guy bounces back in the face of adversity. He wants the ball in his hands at the biggest moments, and he delivered last night. Yep, need to clean up some things. Definitely need to clean up some things. But what he does after a mistake is what makes him so damn good. And Jalen Hurts leads that team. And how cool was that? Passes or ties Randall Cunningham for the most rushing touchdowns by a Philadelphia Eagle. And he does it in the Kelly Greens. And we didn't really talk about the Kelly Green guys. If you're here in the chat, that was pretty damn cool, man. I mean, I was excited in the offseason when they announced they were going to do it and when the pictures got leaked, and I was excited about it. But right here on Jacob Sports, we did our pregame show last night. I'm sitting next to Seth Joyner. And we had on the set that famous picture that you got Seth Joyner, Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons, Reggie White, Eric Allen in their Kelly Green jerseys, man. It, it really, it gives you goosebumps. It gives you goosebumps. And you hear Seth Joyner talking about what this team needed to do. He said it in the pregame that they had to be physical. They had to be, I think it was D-Gun or Mark Farzetta said, what would you guys have done? in this game, and he gave a great answer. They would have basically, he said they all would have been playing for free because they would have been fined like crazy because of how physical and aggressive they would have been. But look, Eagles didn't cross the line, zero penalties, but they played aggressive last night, and they won that game on the line of scrimmage. Thanks, Steve Patton. Franchise players, Jalen Hurts and Bill Calarulo on podcast shows. My man, <laughs> appreciate it. Eric Wisniewski. Hertz is struggling because he's learning a new offense, and I believe they are telling him to not run, just slide behind the line of scrimmage, holding him back a little bit. Adams exploits. Jaws said that Jalen did a nice job with his pre-reads. JM, no. Hertz has never has the ball to his receiver on time. If the development of the play was the issue, he hit his wide receivers in time. No design play requires five to six seconds to unfold. Lethon. Hertz is a gamer. Never gets rattled, shows no emotion. He stays in the zone when he makes mistakes. That is the truth, man. But just, look, Jalen Hurts has to clean it up. He'll be the first to tell you he has to clean up the mistakes. But the Eagles are sitting here at 6-1. and 6-1 and one coming off of a Super Bowl loss. Pretty damn awesome, man. Pretty damn awesome. But let's just talk about Jalen Hurts' knee for a second. So, I didn't hear anything all week about Jalen Hurts being injured. And on the Jacob Sports halftime show last night, I asked John McMullen, who joins us live from Lincoln Financial Field, I said, hey, John, it looked like Jalen was favoring his leg a little bit 
on one of those runs. Does he have any sort of injury? And John McMullen said, it's funny you ask that because he's been limping around the Novacare complex all week. Now, I had not heard that reported at all this week. And John said he had been limping around the Novacare complex. And after the game, when Jalen Hurts was asked, did you get hurt in this game? He said no. So it was from before. Was it the Jets game? Was it the Rams game? And how serious is this? You got to hope it's not going to be anything. But Rick Jansen saying they said it's his ankle, but he was wearing a knee brace last night. Now, you may be talking about he hurt his ankle earlier in the week. That's why he was limping, and then he hurt his knee last night. But he acted as if in postgame that this knee injury predated the game against the Dolphins. So we'll have to keep monitoring it. We probably won't get much information. But just an interesting thing to watch. Obviously, you want Jalen Hurts to be healthy. Obviously. But we'll see. Can he go against the Washington Commanders this week? And we'll break down the Commanders game as the week progresses. But still just trying to enjoy that one. But I want to talk about something that has me a little bit concerned with this Philadelphia Eagles team. And that's the running game. We always talk about how what makes this Eagles offense so tough to stop is that when the passing game is struggling, that they can turn to their running game and still dominate. And that hasn't necessarily been the case this season. I want to take a look at what these running backs are doing. They had two big games on the ground. The Minnesota Vikings and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Against the Minnesota Vikings, the running backs average 6.2 yards per carry. And this is running backs only. I got the overall numbers. I'm talking just the running backs. 6.2 yards a carry against Minnesota. 5.8 yards per carry against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Great. Great numbers. Well, if you remove those numbers... Let's look at what they did in the other five games. Last night against the Dolphins, running backs averaged 3.4 yards a carry. Against the Jets, 2.35. Against the Rams, 3.6. Against the Washington Commanders, 3.9. And against the New England Patriots, 3.75. In those five games, the Philadelphia Eagles running backs are averaging 3 Point four yards per carry. Do you know what that would put them in the NFL? 29th in the NFL. That's concerning to me. That is really concerning to me. You remove those two games, Tampa Bay and Minnesota, 3.4 yards a carry, 29th in the NFL for our running backs. And I see Eagles fans saying Jurgens. I'm sure that doesn't help that Jurgens is out. I do think they've taken a little bit step back with Opeta, but it's not just Cam Jurgens. There's more going on here, and I don't know what it is that's not allowing these running backs to succeed in these games. And the Philadelphia Eagles need to fix it. And I mean, you look just at the numbers, even including Jalen Hurts into the conversation. Last night, the Eagles averaged 2.9 yards per carry overall with Hurts. Numbers skewed a little bit, 
because of the tush push, because of the brotherly shove. But still, 2.9. Against the Jets, 3.6. The Rams, 4.1. That's when you add Jalen Hurts. The Commanders, 3.9. The New England Patriots, 3.6. I'm telling you, man, you take out what they did against the Bucs and the Vikings, and this running offense does not look like the number two running offense in the NFL. And I see you guys in the chat. Dave, Gainwell, he's soft, light, and zero pop. Crawley, Gainwell sucks, can't blame the old line. They lack a truly explosive, strong, bruising back and Jalen's relative slowness this year because of the unspecified injury limits their running game. That's coming from Kevin B. I don't disagree, and we've talked about it on other shows. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've talked about it on other shows. I don't like that all the running backs are basically the same running back. Kenny Gainwell, DeAndre Swift, and Boston Scott are all small running backs. I think DeAndre Swift is by far the best of the three. He has the home run potential every time he touches the football. But you don't have a big back. And I know a lot of people are asking me, why can't Rashad Penny get on the field? Where's Rashad Penny been? The Eagles need to dress Rashad Penny. He's a stud. I got a text from my cousin this morning. Rashad Penny's a stud and they won't use him. Listen, guys, there's something wrong with Rashad Penny. There is no way if Rashad Penny was the guy you saw in Seattle averaging 5.9 yards per carry that he can't even dress on game days. So clearly this Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff is seeing something that we don't have the luxury of seeing in practice that he just doesn't have it anymore. And I, I said this in the preseason. If you follow me on Instagram, I talked about how I thought that Trey Sermon was going to beat out Rashad Penny because what I saw in those preseason games was a guy who did not have any explosiveness anymore. These injuries have gotten to Rashad Penny. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe he'll come on late in the season and be a savior for this Eagles offense from a big back perspective, but I haven't seen it. I have not seen it. And we'll see what he has left in the tank, man. But that's not a – we talk about Howie Roseman making a move. I think priority number one is the secondary. But priority number two for me would be getting another running back on this team. A different style running back than DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell. Getting a guy who's a big back because you're going to need it. When the weather starts changing, you're going to need that big back. I want to see what you guys are saying here. Daz, not spending Derrick Henry money for a running back when we need a playmaking safety. I agree with you. I agree with you. I'd rather see them go to the secondary. But if they can get somebody cheap, running backs, you don't have to spend a lot of money. We've seen it. Look at the year they won the Super Bowl. They got Jay Ajayi late. Great addition to that running back room with Corey Clement and LeGarrette Blunt. And you look at those three guys, they were all different. You had LeGarrette Blunt, big bruising back. You had Corey Clement. What a game he had in the Super Bowl, going over 100 yards receiving from the backfield. You had Jay Ajayi, who could break a home run every time he touched the football. I just don't like that the three running backs the Eagles dress every single week are pretty much the same guy. Swift's definitely better, 
He definitely has more playmaking ability. But I think they need to get a big back in here. And I don't think you have to give up a ton to get it. I don't think you have to pay Derrick Henry crazy money. You could find somebody. So wouldn't be surprised if you see maybe how we do something there as well. But let's do a little bit of, before we switch to the fills, because we only have an hour, and I appreciate you guys in the chat saying you wish this was longer, but this is the power hour. So before we switch to the Phillies, just want to give some credit to some of these guys. You heard me say earlier that A.J. Brown is the best wide receiver in the league. I'm not, I'm not going to argue about it. I know Tyreek Hill is a great receiver. A.J. Brown is the best wide receiver in the league. What he has done in the last five games is remarkable. Fifth straight game with over 125 yards. There's only two wide receivers in NFL history who have ever done that. You're talking about Megatron, Calvin Johnson in 2012. And I don't even know who this is. Pat Studstill in 1966. Anybody in the chat see Pat Studstill play back in 1966? Would love to hear from you if you did. But AJ is doing things that no one has done but Megatron and Pat Studstill. So far this season, 52 catches, 809 yards. And I just love how big and physical he is. You know, we talk about in the city of Philadelphia, we love it. We're a blue-collar city. We love hard-nosed football. Well, how nice is it having a wide receiver that can not only go over 125 yards in five straight games, but can truck anybody on the field when he gets the ball in his hands. Love it, man. He's got the speed and the finesse of any wide receiver in the league, but then also has the physicality of a linebacker at the wide receiver position. For the city of Philadelphia, he's the perfect wide receiver, man. The perfect wide receiver. Looking at you guys. Let's shoot the shit. Pat Studstill was a beast. I don't know if you're just being sarcastic or if you actually saw him play, man. Did you see him play? Let's shoot the shit. Be honest, man. I see Dave saying, get Buddha and Sertain, get a Super Bowl. Adams exploits. The Eagles were rarely on TV in the 60s. Yeah, it was a different world back then, wasn't it? Rick Jansen, I saw on Instagram this morning, Brown has more yards than all of the Miami receivers. Now, I think what you saw, Rick, was that he has more receiving yards this season than all of the Tennessee Titans wide receivers. And I did a tweet last night saying this is my weekly thank you to the Tennessee Titans for trading A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles. That GM got fired after that, and he should have given up A.J. Brown. But some other players I want to recognize that I thought had great games last night. We talked about Hassan Reddick setting the edge. Just a great game. He's back, man. He is back. He said it when he got that cast off, and he was right. Hassan Reddick is back. Josh Sweat, another two sacks last night. That gives him five and a half sacks on the season. He had a career high last year of 11. He could beat that this year. He could beat that. Again, if you guys follow me on Instagram, I did some videos in the offseason that I was expecting Josh Sweat to lead this team in sacks this year. And he may be proving me right. He may be proving me right, man. 
We talked about the D-tackles. Got to give credit. Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter. But let's talk about Fletcher Cox. 32 years old. Had a miss two weeks ago because of that epidural, and he comes back another great, solid game for Fletcher Cox. We are watching one of the best to ever do it in Fletcher Cox, and I hope that we all appreciate it. And how nice is it you see Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, these guys, Davis in his second year, Carter in his sixth career game ever, and let's hope, man, if these guys stay healthy, we're going to have a pretty solid defensive line for a lot a lot of years with those two guys. And I see Transistor Zen in the chat talking about Eli Ricks. He's another guy I want to recognize, and I talked about him in the first segment. Eli Ricks, man, undrafted rookie, coming in against the best passing game in the NFL. Tyreek Hill, second best receiver in the league. I'm going with my man, AJ. And he just battled him all night. Loved it. Give our boy Nolan Smith a little bit of credit. Getting his first sack last night, that was good to see. And I talked about it in the first segment, loving what we're seeing from our linebackers, Zach Cunningham, Nick Morrow, and now even Kobe Dean mixing it up. So just a great overall win for our Philadelphia Eagles. And guys, if you follow me, you know I do another podcast called Legal Hands to the Face. It's a Philadelphia Eagles-only podcast. Normally, we go Monday nights live here on the Jacob Network simulcast also with my legal hands of the face channel at 6 30 we're going to move that to tomorrow night because we got our fight in fills tonight so we will do it live tomorrow tuesday 6 30 right here on jacob sports simulcast but we got our fight and fills tonight just want to spend a couple of minutes we didn't get a chance to talk after friday night's disaster and i don't want to bring us all down here but Friday night, some of the decisions Topper made, didn't love. Craig Kimbrell, he's shot, man. He's done. And we were angry on the show on Friday about him blowing that save the night before. But then what he does on Friday night, just completely unacceptable, loses that game. Everybody was nervous. I was nervous. Everybody was nervous. Coming in Saturday night. 2-2, 2-2, momentum shifted, but Zach Wheeler was on the mound. And we needed Zach Wheeler to go seven. Philadelphia Phillies needed Zach Wheeler to go seven innings, and he delivered, man. He freaking delivered. He throws seven innings. We give up one run, eight strikeouts. He's becoming one of the most clutch performers in – all of Major League Baseball postseason history, but especially for this Philadelphia Phillies team. But yeah, he throws seven innings, only gives up six six hits, one earned run. And this Philadelphia Phillies, the bats woke up again. Schwarber goes yard. Harper says, I see you, Schwarb. And then he goes yard in the same inning. JT Romuto, finally, we don't get a solo home run. Some people on base. And just all around, great baseball by the Phillies on Saturday night. Bryson Stott, what a play in the field at second base. And just love the aggressive base running. How about Bryce Harper stealing home on a double steal? Just love the aggressive base running. But let's hope this team closes it out tonight. Let's hope they close it out tonight. 
And then who do you guys want? If you're in the chat, I think the Phillies match up better with the Rangers. But, man, I'd love to beat the Astros. I'd love for the Phillies to get a rematch against the Houston Astros. And Tyler Bolich just said it, 6-0 at Citizens Bank Park. And they're coming home tonight. Hopefully it gets closed down tonight. I don't want a game seven, man. I don't want a game seven. The Real Zeal wants home field, and I think they only get home field if the Rangers win. Is that right, Real Zeal? I don't think they would have it against the Astros, if I'm not mistaken. But let's hope. Let's hope. Phillies-Astros meet rematch like Rocky too. Yeah, that's what I would like to see, Steve Patton. But, guys, we're running out of time here. Like I end every day's show, want to look at today in sports history. Oh, and the real zeal, they would have it against the Astros. Gotcha. Like we end every day. So on October 23rd, 1910, let's hope this is a sign of things to come for our fight in Phils. The Philadelphia Athletics beat the Chicago Cubs 7-2 at Westside Park, Chicago, to win their first championship. So October 23rd, 1910, the Philadelphia Athletics won their first championship. So pretty cool. Let's hope that's a sign of things to come tonight. But guys, as always, man, appreciate every single one of you in the chat. Love the engagement. On your way out, hit that like button. Hit that share button. I'll be right back here tomorrow at 10 o'clock. But head on over to Instagram, Legal Hands to the Face. Follow me on Twitter. I'll be posting more content throughout the day about yesterday's Philadelphia Eagles game. And I'll see all you guys tomorrow, 10 o'clock, hopefully celebrating another pennant for our fighting fills. Talk soon, guys. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort.